This is, I'm going to try my best. I got 12, no, 11 pages of notes. <laughs> and I got like 30 minutes to get it out. So, oh, Jesus, help me. So I'm going to be talking real fast. I hope you can listen fast, okay? Um, today I want to talk about the saving of your soul. And so we can just get right into it. Sometimes these time constraints on this theater can be a little annoying, but that's okay. God knows, and God still shows up. We still have church. He still heals. He still restores. And it's still going to happen today, too. Amen? So let's just pray over the word. Father, thank you for the word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would let only what you want to be said come out of my mouth. I yield to you, and I pray that you would open our ears to receive the word that you have today, and that this word would fall on good soil. And God, this word will absolutely, 100%, it will bear fruit. This seed will get planted deep in our hearts, and it will bear fruit, and it will spring up a hundredfold in our life. In the name of Jesus, I ask this and declare it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. I want to talk to you today about the saving of your soul. Our church in America is very weak. If you look around, you see that there are so many Christians that are struggling with bondage. There's sickness that is permeating the church. You look around and there's so many people that are dealing with sickness. There, There are things like doubt and there's fear and anxiety. People with severe insecurities, they're dominating the body of Christ. There's discouragement in the body of Christ. So much, even in this church, people are dealing with discouragement. Why are we here so long? When's God going to move us? Why aren't we growing? We're facing this. We're dealing with this right here in this body. There's feeling people feel with feelings of failure. They feel like a failure. No matter what they do, they just feel like they're just an utter and total failure, and it's crippling. There are marriages that are struggling, and some marriages are failing. We have domestic violence and abuse that has torn and ravaged so many beautiful hearts. So many people that I come in contact with, so many people that I talk to have have been abused, sexually abused as a child by someone that was supposed to have protected them. There are people that have struggled with domestic abuse, violence in their marriage. We have Christians that are struggling to forgive because of things like what I just talked about. We have people with mother and father wounds. They don't know how to be free from them. How do we rise above our past? How do we do it? Can I really be free, Holly, from the bondage of pornography when sexual perversion is thrown in my face every day and, I, and, I, and lust permeates my thoughts so much? Can you really be free from that? Can I be free? Yes, you can. What about the shame? I know I've messed up. I know I've screwed up. I know I've done things I shouldn't have done, and I can't seem to get rid of the shame How do I deal with the shame messages that Satan keeps putting in my mind and in my heart? And I can't seem to not feel ashamed because I know know what I've done. And I'm so embarrassed and I'm so ashamed of what I've done. Can I be free from that? How, How do I get that to leave me? How do I move on from my past? This is prevalent in the body of Christ. And what I want to tell you today and what I want to talk to you today is something that nobody ever told me. 
I've never heard this growing up in church. I've been in church my whole life, and, and I've never heard anything like this preached or spoken to until I read it in a book by Kenneth Hagin. I'm going to give a shout-out to Kenneth Hagin. My goodness, you guys, if you don't have any of his books, seniors' books, get them and read them. They're life-changing. He's the best teacher I think I've ever come in contact with in my life. And, and I read this concept, never heard this preached before. And so I want to talk to you today about the saving of your soul, not my spirit but the saving of my soul. And I'm going, to show you, um, I'm going to show you a concept that I, I have never heard before, and I hope that this is something that will, this truth will, will permeate our hearts today and it will set us free. So James 1, 18 and 20 through 21 says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So the first point that I want to make to you today is that the Bible divides the soul and the spirit. There is a distinct division between the soul and the spirit. James was written to believers, not unbelievers. James was written to Christians, not what we've heard a terminology called sinners, people who do not believe. And we know this in James 5.14, later on in the book of James, he's, he said, Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. So we know he's talking to the church. In verse 18 that I just showed you and we just read, he said, We became his prized possession. This is terminology that is talking to believers, to the church. He also called them my dear brothers and sisters. So there is no doubt. There's no mistake. There's no way you can look at the scripture and think that he's talking to anyone other than believers. People who have already been saved. People who believe on Jesus Christ, as we call them today, Christians. So here's what happens. Man's spirit, your innermost being is saved. When you accept and you pray and you ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life and to come into your heart and you repent of all your sins and you say, I believe on Jesus, then you become saved. You become saved in eternal salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that you get a new spirit. Behold, old things have passed away, it says, and behold, all things become new. So you get a new spirit, but not a new body. Now, many of us wish we could get some new teeth when we got saved, don't we? Many of us wish we got some new eyes so we could take our glasses off and not have to use glasses anymore when we got saved. I didn't get a new mortal body. I didn't get, I didn't get some new hair and some new skin. That'd be really nice, right? If we got a new body when we got saved, my Lord, we wouldn't have to try so hard to preach the gospel. We'd have people flood in the church if they got a nice brand new body and new eyes every time they accepted Jesus Christ. But that's not how it works. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So when you get a new spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ comes and resides in your heart when you get saved. That's the terminology that we're going to talk about. I'm going to break down that word for you. When you get saved, you get that new spirit, but you don't get the new body. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions do not change. So if you bow your knee to the, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and you give your heart to Jesus Christ and then as you accept the Lord and you repent of your sins and you become a believer, you don't get up and stand up from that any different in your mind than when you just prayed the prayer of salvation. All of the things of your past, the culture, 
the things you've been taught to believe, the things mom and daddy told you, the things you were told in church, the things that your teachers told you in school, all of the years of the things that made up the, the belief system that's in your mind is still there. And this is what he's trying to say is what needs to be saved. And I want to point it out and we'll show it to you. So I want to unpack the meaning of the Greek word translated. This Greek word translated save is sozo. Here is first, the first definition. I'm going to give you three. There's more, but I'm just going to talk about three because I don't even have time to talk about the notes I have. So I couldn't put everything in here. So sozo, part of its meaning is to save or salvation of material and temporal deliverance from danger and suffering. All right, Jesus Christ said in John 12, 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Jesus was praying a prayer saying, Save me, sozo. Save me from this temporal danger right here, right now. Save me from this persecution and this, this uh, beating that I'm getting ready to take. He was actually praying in another gospel. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. He was not praying, God, save my soul eternally so that I can go to heaven. He didn't need to be saved. He was the Savior. He was the one that came to save us. So he was fully God and fully man. So he couldn't have prayed a prayer asking God to give him eternal salvation because he was the Savior. Sozo also means to be made whole from sickness. In Matthew 9, 21 and 22, if you've been in church very long at all, you've heard the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And it says here, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So made whole here is the word sozo. The word save, the same word save in James 1 and 21. And he's, she was uh, Jesus was telling her, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you from this sickness. You can also see the word sozo in James 5, 14 and 15. He said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith shall save. There's that word sozo, the sick. He's talking about the church once again. This is to the church, not unbelievers. The word will save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So we can be eternally secure, and we can believe on Jesus Christ and be saved and be going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven for eternity, but still be sick in our body. We wouldn't go up to somebody and say, oh, so-and-so, you're sick. You backslid. You're not saved because Christians wouldn't be sick. You can't be sick if you're, you know, a Christian. The body gets sick. And so it's the same way with bondage. He said, let them call for the elders of the church and, if the, and they'll lay hands on them. And if any, the, any are sick, they'll be healed. And he said, and if they have committed any sins, Christians have committed sins, they will be forgiven him. It's the same way you can be in bondage and still be a believer. You can be tongue-talking, filled with the Holy Spirit and still have bondage. Bondage is prevalent in the church. You can have already, I know y'all going to probably think this is, this is heresy because I struggled with this because of my, my background and my, the way I was raised and what I was taught. But a Christian can struggle and be addicted to pornography and still be a believer. A Christian can struggle with an addiction to food. Jesus doesn't see the difference between addiction from alcohol and addiction from food or an addiction he doesn't categorize or from pornography. He doesn't make a distinction between them. Bondage is bondage. Or you can be a Christian is still a Christian. They're still a believer and be and under the oppression and the bondage of Satan and be dealing with depression. 
So for me, you know, the judgment kind of has to stop. We can't judge. We can't point a finger and, and say she's sick so she's not a believer or he's, he's in bondage or she's in bondage to, to food. Oh, they're, 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 that's gluttony. They're not a believer. God doesn't make a distinction between any of them. It's called grace. It's called grace, people, and we'll never really understand the fullness of the grace of God. I will never comprehend how deep and how wide and how incomprehensible the love of God is. Never in my lifetime will I fully understand it. It's called grace. The other terminology for sozo, before you think I'm talking heresy up here, it is eternal salvation. It does mean eternal. So this one word has multiple meanings. And depending on how you read it in the context is what they're referring to in Ephesians 2.5. Sozo appears when it says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. That is eternal salvation. So, but here's what I want to point out today. When you get a new spirit and you get saved and, and, and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, I am so wonderfully thankful for the hope of eternity. I'm really thankful that I will live after this life is over and this body dies. I have somewhere I'm going to go. I'm going to heaven, people. I'm going to live for eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, and that's a wonderful thing. 